walking is when your best ideas come to life. The Wisdom Walks podcast and community is an inspired network of over 35,000 dedicated to exploring creative solutions to life's biggest challenges and opportunities. Enjoy listening to our podcast interviews coupled with wisdom from experts and leaders from all walks of life. In-person Wisdom Walks will be scheduled throughout the year. Receive actionable tips to become the leader you were meant to be. Enjoy ideas to be healthier, happier, and more successful. Learn from supportive guests that share wise and highly personal stories of transformation. We'll provide you with prompts and suggested songs to couple with your walks. I'm your host, Lee Mitchell, a community builder and brand strategist. Follow and listen to the Wisdom Walks podcast on your favorite social media platforms with hashtag Wisdom Walks Podcast. When you hear the Wisdom to Walk music, it's now time to speed up. Black, they call me the man. Walk into the party with Prosecco in my hand. And if they say he wildin', tell them I don't give a damn. Cause they don't know about the struggles lately that I've been through. What you just heard was a snippet from Dio Gibson's latest release, We Lit. Dio or Dwayne Gibson has defied the odds as a rapper from Canada, becoming a certified international artist, a successful record label executive, and a socially active community ambassador. He set a Guinness World Record when he freestyled for nearly 9 hours in 2003, sold tens of thousands CDs, hit number one on US college hip-hop radio charts, and traveled the world performing for sold-out crowds. Dio's success is defined in his own terms. In addition to an extensive Canadian tour schedule, Gibson has lived up to his name as Mr. International, as he has toured the US, Europe, and Asia. In the summer of 2016, he headlined shows in France, the Netherlands, and performed at Fresh Island Fest in Croatia alongside Wiz Khalifa and Chris Brown. In between recording, Gibson has founded the Stay Driven program that he launched in 2001. Stay Driven is based on Dio's own life experiences, where he addresses relevant topics such as anti-bullying, peer pressure, and literacy. Gibson has spoke and performed at over 1,000 schools, reaching hundreds of thousands of students. In 2012, he released the book Stay Driven. On today's show, Dio discussed with us his career as a musical artist, a speaker in schools, and how you can start too. How today's climate affects his career, establishing connections, and how he balances his work guest. Enjoy. Did you know you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Is that something that was inside you that you figured that it was an important thing for you to pursue or did you want to kind of do it more of a traditional route and get a, a, jo- a, a traditional job? Well, I think about it in a few different levels. The first level is um, when I started to, to be a rapper and to want to be a rapper, there was something called disc makers. And so disc makers was in every rap magazine that you could buy. And my mom always encouraged me to read by buying me magazines and I loved rap magazines. So I would see this disc makers and um, this is really before the internet. So uh, I would, I would have to call or even write a letter to them to send me their catalog. 
And the reason why I mention that is because their catalog would show how much 300 tapes <laughs> cost. <laughs> so to, to um, record 300 cassettes, um, that's why I'm dating it that way, is how you would release your music. And I would make a list of everyone who I thought might buy my tape. And um, from there, I thought, what if I sold out 300 tapes? I'm paying this much. I'm spending this much. I've got to factor in studio time. And so I was thinking like an entrepreneur. It wasn't until I got to mm -hmm. grade 12 where I took a class on entrepreneurship and I just really connected with it. And I, uh, we'd have a guest speaker in uh, who ran his own business and I would learn more about business. And um, I thought it was fascinating. But at that time in the 90s, being an entrepreneur wasn't a big thing. And so um, the last thing I'll say about that is uh, I'm a big Gary Vee fan. It's interesting now because he'll say entrepreneurship is cool now. And you've got people of all ages who want to be entrepreneurs. And it's a thing now where it's, it's like you could be 12 years old and um, want to be an entrepreneur. I was 12 years old and, and collecting baseball cards and seeing value in that, but I didn't know how to define it. So, yes, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. No, I didn't know what it actually meant when I was a kid. So it's been interesting growing and learning the business as I, I grew up. And now that we're living in this COVID-19 world, um, how, is, how has uh, what's happened in the world impacted your business? Um, I'm very glad that as a musician, that it's key to have multiple streams of not just of revenue and of income, but just different things going on because I'm a live performer. And so I make a bulk of my income from going into schools and doing shows. I make a bulk of my income from traveling the world and doing shows. And so that's, that's put to a standstill. But as an artist, I also make a lot of my money off of the music that I create and the creative things that I do. So, um, I just shifted and pivoted to a point where I'm creating and um, making more things. And so it's, it's, it's great to be in that position and to work on my business is a, another key because as an entrepreneur, I think that's something that um, some musicians kind of take for granted that you are a business and um, the, the less glamorous aspects of running a business are being on Quicken, reconciling your books <laughs> and, um, you know, working on spreadsheets and uh, I apply and, and I've been fortunate enough to receive a lot of grants, but staying on top of those things. So to me, there's never a dull moment so that while COVID has affected my business, um, I'm still able to work at the core part of my business so that mm -hmm. when things get back going, I'll be able to be able to land on my feet. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the great things about being an entrepreneur is that we're really used to having to pivot and to problem solve and mm -hmm. figure things out. So, so that's amazing. So uh, speaking of pivoting, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. uh, as you know, we're relaunching our podcast and you're our very first mm -hmm. guest and we're so wow. honored and th thrilled to have you as our very first guest. And my co-host here and producer is Ronan. Uh, and Ronan, do you have some questions for, for Duane? I'm sure you have some interesting perspectives as being a student yourself. Yeah, well, um, just one thing that I was thinking of, like how you were talking about um, uh, just like different types of revenue and like streaming and mm -hmm. all that, like what, 
advice or uh, how would someone who wants to put their music on streaming platforms uh, do that? An aspiring musician, how would they do that? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll attack it from two different angles because I think one of the things you have to realize, um, just as anybody who goes on any social media platform, um, beyond just hanging out with their friends, and even if you are just hanging out with your friends, is to recognize that you are a brand. So you're branding yourself behind every post that you make. You could be a kid who loves Fortnite and posts about Fortnite, and you're branding yourself as somebody who loves Fortnite. So you want to tell a story about what you like and what the, the things that you're into. Now, I'll also say, when you're releasing music on streaming, it's great because you can go to a website like a CD Baby or a Distro Kid or a TuneCore, and you can pay a one-time fee, and your music can be on Spotify and on Apple Music and on Amazon Music all around the world, just like that. And that's a great thing. But just because your music is available doesn't mean that your music's going to get played. <laughs> and that's something that a lot of artists, regardless of their age, are um, challenged with. So lately I have a friend on social media who's really upset with Spotify because you're, you're paid something like 0. 0.00001 of a cent per stream. So you could have 100,000 streams and make $30. And so that can be very frustrating because 100,000 streams is a lot, but $30 isn't really so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> So to me, it's, it's, um, if you're an artist, you have to say, you have to think of ways to be creative and to earn revenue. And you can't just look at things like streaming as a way to make revenue because unless you're having six figures, a hundred thousands of plays, chances are you're just not going to make money. So um, I think it's really up to artists to be creative on how they are going to do that. You know, one thing is to do TikTok videos. One thing is to work on a YouTube channel um, and to see which is going to uh, build traction for you to build yourself as a brand and for you to earn revenue. Mm. Yeah, because I know that um, a lot of artists, like aspiring artists, have really like blown up and, you know, got popular just trying to, I mean, you said TikTok and uh, a lot of artists design their songs th so they would be like um, compatible for TikTok and that it would blow up on TikTok because I know that's a way a lot of artists have blown up recently. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's good that you mentioned that because it's funny to me now when I listen to certain songs and I'm like, oh, this is definitely for TikTok. Like I haven't seen the move yet, but like you can hear the chorus and and you know, like uh, me and my son, we're just practicing some new moves. Uh, I think the song is called Two Birds. But it's like one, two, and there's these different moves, but like, um, but everybody kind of knows these certain TikTok moves like this and that. And I was doing Renegade earlier this year and stuff. And uh, it's just amazing how, um, yeah, that, that the viral sense of, of music can pick up and, um, it's cool because it kind of levels the playing field as far as there's some kids who are in the basement that are 12 years old coming up with something, putting a cool dance move and, um, you know, it blows up and it's really amazing to see. I mean, the biggest TikTok person is Charlie D'Amelio and 
I think she's still 15. Maybe she's 16, but like, it's, yeah. you know, she really came from nothing in a way uh, to be in the biggest TikTok superstar. And you said that um, the last three months before school shut down, you were performing at 80 something schools. Uh, how do you get those uh, gigs? Like, how do you line? That's a lot. So just wondering. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for me, it's been consistency of doing it for so long um, that you build rapport and you build a network. So for instance, I'm a big fan of connecting the dots. Um, and you could do this, you don't have to be a rapper or even an entrepreneur, but just in your life. And so it's like, for instance, how did I go to Norseman? Well, I know Rachel. How do I know Rachel? Because I know her sister because she's a principal. How do I know her as a principal? Because I went to her school um, when she was a vice principal. How do I know that school? Because that guy, Doug McNeil, used to be, he'd bring me to each school. He was at downtown at Regent Park. But before that, he was at Henry Hudson in Scarborough. And at Henry Hudson is when I made my first brochure in 2002. I printed it off from my computer. I found all the mailing lists for Toronto schools. I made labels and I mailed them to all the schools. And he was the first one to open it up and book me for a show. So the way I got to Norseman is all those connections. Um, but again, Rachel's sister booked me for two shows in early March. So it's, it's all of these connections that come from over time. But to me, what I love about them is that they all come from being able to hustle. And what I mean by that is, is not just waiting for people to come to you. I think um, that's a dangerous thing that, that um, some people rely on is, especially music artists, is they think, well, I'm good. You know, somebody's back in the day, it was somebody's going to find me and sign me. Um, and nowadays it can just be, I'm good. I can put my music out on, on Spotify and somebody's going to check it. And um, no, it's, it's really about the hustle and about doing it. So um, I do two shows in the morning many days and two shows in the afternoon. And I do them, you know, in Sarnia or Chatham and Keswick, and all parts of Toronto and Brampton and Ajax. And um, I appreciate when people book me again because I won't do the same show. And when it's Black History, I will tell other stories. I'll talk about Africville in Nova Scotia. I'll talk about Jackie Robinson. Um, so. I'm always prepared for if they call me back, I have more to give, I have more songs to play. And what I enjoy most about coming back to a school, because probably about half my shows were repeats, is mm -hmm. having that connection with youth. So a lot of the times somebody will say, hey man, do you remember me from last time? I might not, but I'm never gonna say that I don't. I'll be like, oh yeah, <laughs> how can I forget? But when they talk to me enough, and if they told me something, then I'm like, actually, maybe I do remember you. Or if they sent me a, a message on YouTube the night before or on Instagram. Um, so I like having the connection with people. And um, I think that's what comes from doing it for, for a while and just uh, valuing each opportunity you have. Mm -hmm. So what's next for you? How much time you got? <laughs> yeah, nah, All uh, the time no. in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm really excited. I have a new song coming out called We Lit. So by the time this comes out, it will be out. Um, we Lit is, is one of my first singles that I'm releasing um, this summer. And um, 
it features a, a young artist named Mitchell Bailey from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, which is one of the places I'm from. And he just turned 23. And I will be 42 in October. So it's, it's interesting to see an older artist with a younger artist. But it, it's cool for me because he's able to add so much onto it. Um, just with his new way of, of rapping and flowing. And I don't want to have to do that. I'd rather just be me on the song. So it's, it's a good combination of both. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then I'm, I'm really getting close to finishing my book, which is called On This Grind. And that is about life lessons learned from the music business. So I'll be launching it as a blog this fall and releasing a chapter a day because they're kind of short, bite-sized chapters. So it'll only take five minutes to read. And um, it's just about life lessons that I've learned um, just being in the music business and translating them for um, artists or entrepreneurs and for students that um, kind of just want to have that entrepreneurial mindset. So I'm really looking forward to, to that project too. And actually that reminds me, you're, you're already a published author, I believe. Uh, I was reading about you on Wikipedia. Yeah, so yeah what I released a book, book called Stage Ribbon, which is kind of based on the, the school shows that I do and um, translating some of those messages that I give to youth. And I released that in 2012, and it was a great... When you hear the Wisdom to Walk music, it's now time to speed up. Great experience because um, I really enjoyed the process of writing a book, and then um, I really enjoyed seeing kids read it because I did a lot of um, shows. I had an annual show. Uh, it was the Boys Book Club in Toronto. And um, every year, kids would come to this hotel by the airport. And it, predominantly just boys, sometimes some girls, but um, it would be a day just dedicated to reading and they would do workshops. And what I would recognize is a lot of young boys, especially a lot of young boys of color, um, but either way, didn't read. And a lot of them didn't want to read because they just didn't see books that they liked. And um, I see it in my son now. It's difficult to get him to read sometimes. But I think one of the things is, is finding books that kids can really just connect with. And um, I hoped my book would connect with youth. And uh, I was fortunate enough to do some readings or get some kids to, to purchase the book and read it. And it was really nice seeing them connect with it. And, um, I think it's a great thing when kids can read, especially in this culture that is such, uh, you know, attention deficit. Just uh, and hey, it's not just kids. You know, I'm looking at my phone and then I'm scrolling to something else and on to something. So um, I think a book is a great thing to keep your focus with. So, how did you get your book published? I self-published it, um, which was a great option for me because I think any time that you can go direct to consumer it can be a great method. And because I do so many school shows, I was able to say to schools, I'm coming to your school, print this flyer out, give it to parents. And um, they would collect the money. And when I'd come to the school, I'd be able to sell the books and autograph them and do parents nights. And um, I sold the book in chapters and did um, signing events there and readings. And um, it really worked out well because that's what I learned from the music business. I, I did have an album, I had two albums released on Universal Music, 
and it was a really hard experience for me because it was in 2010 to 12 where like there was still HMVs in malls, but, um, but they would stock two copies of the album. So if you go into Yorkdale mall and you see my album and you buy it and somebody else buys it, it's sold out, but there's not enough demand for them to say, let's bring in 10. They might get one or two more. And so, um, if it was frustrating to me because it would be across the country, but that one copy would sell out in Saskatoon and um, I'd have a fan hit me up because I toured out there and they say, they're telling us it's going to be a month till your album comes in. And so uh, that's when I started to do more things independent again. And um, it worked out a lot better. So do you think there's any like benefit to using a, publisher or a record label to put out your music and books? I think there is a benefit if you have the right leverage and the right demand. So if you're a priority and if um, they're really behind you and can do things, then it can be advantageous. It's a little bit different in the book world because it will take usually about two more years before your book will come out with a publisher because I explored that route as well. And um, I just didn't want to wait <laughs> that long with music. Um, I think it's, it, it's at a very weird place right now because with someone like Drake, they were saying uh, last week, a, a very prominent record executive, Steve Stout said, if Drake decides not to go with any label, it could kind of bankrupt the music business. Because at this point, an artist like Drake kind of doesn't even need the label. So there's a lot of services now that um, a label offers that just aren't needed. So um, I think it's on a case-by-case basis. But um, I think in a lot of cases, most artists are not in a good position signing to a record label because signing to a label oftentimes is an advance and that advance is not on a favorable scale towards the artist, kind of worse than a bank loan. So um, I've always looked up to artists like Jay-Z is one of my favorite artists. He's an artist that was turned down by Def Jam and turned down by every record company until the point that his independent business got to be so successful that they had to come to him with a really good offer. And I think that's the best option for artists is to build up their business to a point that somebody makes you a really good offer. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of the uh, thing people are staying away from record labels now is um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, I know that a lot of albums uh, that were like supposed to come out that were announced before the whole pandemic started and now they're let they're labels aren't allowing their artists to drop because um, there's not enough people. A lot of people don't pay for Spotify anymore and Apple music. And so there's a lot less streams, a lot of uh, highly anticipated albums. I know like have uh, flopped just because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so I think a lot of uh, artists would rather just put um, put out on their own terms and not just Cause it's yeah. not always about the money. It's about the fans and stuff like that as well. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, like uh, I've got a friend, his name is Tom McDonald and uh, 
he's doing an incredible business right now in music. And, um, you know, he just hit 1 million subscribers on YouTube and he's completely independent. And he was just posted a picture on his Instagram a couple of days ago of all the packages he was mailing out because he personally autographs and mails them out um, to thousands of people across the country. And he's not signed to a label, but it's really working for him because he's built up his core fan base, his core clientele, and he's going directly to them. And I think you don't even have to be in the music business to recognize that's, that's the key thing of entrepreneurship. When you can get speak directly to your customer, directly to your fan, um, and cater to them, that's, that's what you want to do. And so, uh, yeah, I agree with you. A lot of artists that are tied to the major uh, label system and they're holding the back because they, they don't want to see something that's not going to show the sales or those results. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a bad thing. You never want to operate from a, a level of just panic or potential disappointment. So um, I think that's why labels are step behind. Go ahead. Uh, what do you think about artists like uh, Travis Scott and Drake who started their own record label? Like uh, Drake mm -hmm. did his OVO. OVO, yeah. Music label to find like young artists. Yeah, I, th I think it's great. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's always important to have your ear to the street and to know what's going on. I mean, to take it a step back from that, it's, it's like Drake was really discovered in a way by Lil Wayne. And at the time, Lil Wayne was one of the biggest, if not the biggest artists in the world. So Lil Wayne, even though he's at the top, still wanted to see talent. And he saw this kid from Toronto, Canada. And so, and then Nicki Minaj. And, um, and I think that's kind of where Drake also learned it, is that he always wants to be on the cutting edge. And he stayed on the cutting edge by um, keeping his ear to the street and, and not getting too full of himself. And so uh, as much as he's built up his own business, he's also looking for young talent. He's built up his business with a lot of his friends. And I think that's a great thing because some people say never to do business with friends, but I, I think um, it's great to do business with friends as long as you guys are communicating and, and very open. And, and that's what he's been able to do. I think it's a, a great thing. And uh, I think it's something that many artists should duplicate. Any last questions? Uh, oh, actually, yeah. Um, I saw on your Wikipedia page that you hold the Guinness World Record uh, for the longest freestyle. So what is yeah. the uh, process to getting a Guinness World Record submitted? And uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, what I did was I was hanging out with my friends one day and just freestyling with them. and. Um, my friends didn't really freestyle, so I was the only one freestyling, and they joked that I could set a Guinness World Record. So um, this was in 2002, so the, the Guinness World uh, Record website wasn't that glamorous, it wasn't that detailed. Um, we couldn't find a record, so we just emailed them and forgot about it. And then three months, they sent us an email with all the rules, because there was no record. So I could have just done it for 10 minutes if I wanted to but um but I learned what went into the record and we figured out a place to do it and we figured out ways to to make it big and um I was able to do it and so uh um but the other part about it was I had to make sure it was videotaped from two different cameras so that there was no 
time we're cut out. Uh, we had to send this all over to England because it's based in England. So it took almost a year and a half before I, I finally got the certificate in the mail. But uh, it was definitely worth it when, when I got that Guinness plaque. So that was really nice. Awesome. Yeah. So, what? Any final parting words? Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an, it's been incredible yeah. getting to know you more. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, uh, that's all for me. I mean, the only thing I would say is you can always find me at at I am D O Gibson, and that's on Twitter, Instagram, website, YouTube at I am D O Gibson. You may have a piece of advice or like a little mantra for any aspiring entrepreneurs. Yeah, um, I think it's really uh, two two different things that I go by. You know, um, my book and, and one of my songs is called "On This Grind." And when I say "On This Grind," it just means just working. It's, it's kind of like my grandfather worked in a steel plant, and um, he didn't. He didn't get uh, told, like, you're doing a great job. You're doing good. He just picked up his lunch and went to work, blue-collar work ethic, and just did mm. his job every day. And the other thing is stay driven. And that's what I call my school program because stay driven to me means just keep on working every day but keep on focusing on your big goals and working towards those big goals and chipping away at it each day because it's not the big moves that you make. It's – small ones that just keep on adding up. I love that. And we share Nova Scotian roots. We're, we're from yeah. Nova Scotia as well. So yeah. uh, have you yeah. ever spoken out? Have you ever spoken out there? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, through Halifax doing shows and uh, schools as well, clubs and, and schools. And then uh, out to Cape Breton as well. I was supposed to be down there a couple of weeks ago too. Uh, if COVID didn't hit, but I'll be back. <laughs> well, we will make sure to share this podcast with our maritime friends. Thank you so oh, much for, for sure. being on uh, Time to Thrive podcast. Yeah, Whitney Pierre in the house. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Great talking to you guys.